Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Just before we start the podcast, we want to make you aware of the upcoming Mines and Money London event, which is back in person on the 1st and 2nd of December at the Business Design Centre. This is Europe's largest mining investment event and brings investors and mining corporates together to connect, learn and do business. And you don't want to miss the mining pitch battles. Investors can claim complimentary tickets and other attendees can get 10% off with a discount code DIGDEEP10, all in capital letters, when registering at mindsandmoney.com. So get your tickets now and we will hopefully see you there. So now back to the podcast. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Mike Ferguson, who's the president and CEO of GenSource Potash, who are a Canadian-based fertilizer development company, um, which is focused on developing resource opportunities with a specific focus on potash development. Uh, Mike is a professional engineer with over 25 years experience in potash and uranium and is leading the development of this greenfield property um, and is here today to tell us all about the company and the project. So that's welcome Mike to the podcast. How are you doing Mike? Very well, very well. Nice to see you Rob. Yeah and yourself. Um, So as we always start these podcasts off um, I wondered if you can give the audience um, a a little bit of background about yourself, about your career um, sort of up until present day. Happy, uh, happy to do that. I'm, uh, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm an engineer, uh, born and raised in Saskatchewan, uh, and uh, spent essentially my entire career in, in Saskatchewan. Uh, when you're an engineer in Saskatchewan, you work in the, the potash, uranium, oil and gas resource sector for the most part. That's a, it's a major uh, economic driver in, in the province. Uh, interestingly, uh, Saskatchewan produces about a third of the world's uranium and a third of the world's potash. So it's a, it's a very significant mining uh, mineral resource region. So that, that drives the uh, career paths for, for a lot of technical people, and it, uh, it did for me. So I, I started in, uh, in potash in uh, uh, 1984, working underground in a potash mine. And uh, I, I say I haven't been able to escape it yet, uh, move, move through the ranks. Uh, my previous project uh, up, up to this, uh, prior to GenSource was the uh, called the Legacy Project with a small company called Potash One. It was another potash mine that we started in 2007, uh, sold that to K plus S, the big uh, German fertilizer manufacturer in 2011, and they went on to construct it. Uh, it's now called the, the Bethune Mine, and it's uh, the 11th potash mine in Saskatchewan. Uh, and we're really proud to, to see it uh, go from uh, uh, concept to uh, operating mine. Uh, but during that experience, uh, the, the, the project team that was with Potash One, we started to develop some new ideas about potash, and that, that was uh, about how to do potash. And uh, that was, was really the genesis of uh, GenSource. 
Okay. I wonder if you can give us an overview of uh, GenSource, uh, obviously the, the company um, and how it's been formed and developed. Sure. Uh, yeah, GenSource is a publicly traded Canadian uh, company. Uh, we trade on the, uh, the uh, Toronto Stock Exchange Venture Exchange. Uh, and newly minted uh, just a week or so ago on the on the AIM market in, in London. Uh, we are dedicated 100% to potash development. We're headquartered in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, that's kind of the home, I like to think of it as, a, 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 as the home of potash. Um, and uh, the, the company was uh, started, uh, as I mentioned, with some different ideas from our previous experience developing uh, the large-scale legacy project, now called the Bethune Mine. Um, and, and those ideas were around scalability. Uh, so the, uh, the, the idea was to, to find a way to scale these things down uh, such that they were easier to finance, uh, added only incrementally to the, the, uh, the, the supply base rather than in large lumpy additions, which has been the case up to now. Uh, and the, so that those ideas uh, began within GenSource and resulted in our business plan, which has two pillars to it. So the first pillar is to be small, efficient, and environmentally sustainable. And we always like to joke that those are three words that you can't actually use in the same paragraph with the word potash, because none of those words apply to the current industry. The second uh, pillar is to be vertically integrated. And we can talk a little bit more about that as, as we go along. But that the company started with those two pillars to its business plan, uh, and uh, and and led to our, our mission and vision, uh, which is to be uh, to be uh, supportive of food security across the world by by creating potash, which is a macronutrient, uh, one of the main fertilizer ingredients uh, that that's applied to crops all over the world in an open and transparent manner. And uh, we've lived through those, uh, the, the, our mission and vision, uh, and have uh, arrived here today with our first project uh, called the Tagaski Project. So it's, uh, uh, it's uh, GenSource is about doing things differently. If Just as a data point, the, the previous project that we developed, the Legacy Project, now the Bethune Mine, is a conventional solution mine in southern Saskatchewan. Uh, it cost, uh, the public records are about $4.5 billion to construct it. Uh, it produces 2.8 million tons per year and ramps up to 4 million tons a year over a, a decade or two. So that was at the time, that was the most efficient way to enter the industry. Uh, so contrast that now to GenSource's first project, which is a modular approach. So we've developed uh, a, a modular production unit that produces only 250,000 tons, so a tenth the size of the typical big project. Uh, and there, there's really no limit to how many uh, modules you can put in place. It can ramp up to something the same size as, as the, uh, the previous projects. But the, the key was to be able to, to squeeze it down to something that was easier to finance and easier to fit into the marketplace. And... Uh, and that's what we've done. And the, the, uh, the, the small scale nature uh, and efficient nature of, of the uh, module supports the idea of vertical integration. So those two are, are tightly linked together. But that's, uh, in general, that's, the, the, that's what the company is all about, to, uh, to start a change in the industry. And we see ourselves as the thin edge of the wedge that uh, will eventually change how potash is developed, that uh, it doesn't need to come 
in multi-million ton, multi-billion dollar lumpy projects, as has been the case to now. Um, obviously, you mentioned you mentioned uh, that you've just recently listed on the AIM. Um, what, what was the reason behind that? We we actually had two two different drivers uh, to seek a listing on on AIM, and uh, we're really excited to be there. It's been a, a big effort to uh, to obtain the listing, and we're we're proud and excited to be there and look forward to uh, to good things to come in in the UK market. Um, but the the drivers we had first and foremost were, was our uh, this this first project, the Tagaski project, uh, we have an off-taker and equity uh, partner in place, and that is Helm AG. Helm is uh, a large um, uh, global conglomerate uh, headquartered in Hamburg, Germany. Uh, we're working with their fertilizer division in the United States uh, to, to help market our, our product into the U.S. market. But uh, in our connections with Helm, being a European company, we started to generate some, some interest in, in Europe and, and the U.K. Uh, in addition to that, our, our two major uh, or, or senior lead senior uh, lenders are uh, first KFW IPEX Bank out of Germany and uh, Societe Generale out of uh, France. So we've, we've ended up with a fairly uh, European flavor to us as we've gone through the financing uh, efforts. So that was one reason uh, is to uh, uh, create an outlet for that uh, for that interest generated out of Europe and the UK. The second reason is um, one of our uh, paths to growth uh, for GenSource is to, uh, as we say, take our, take our technology on the road. There's a number of uh, small, uh, very well-known Bonash deposits around the world uh, that are located close to specific market areas. Uh, those uh, deposits have been studied uh, a lot over many decades and have always been found to be uneconomic using the uh, old conventional large-scale uh, techniques. Uh, we're of the belief that uh, our small-scale modular approach uh, can make those uh, an economic, uh, uh, economically attractive um, uh, development. So, uh, and of course, when you have production close to your market area uh, and transportation is such a major cost to landing your product in a market area, it gives you a significant advantage. So as we move forward into growth mode uh, post Tagaski, uh, we will look for uh, a much more global international market and the, and the aim uh, or the London Stock Exchange uh, provides that global base that uh, we think we'll need in the future to uh, to execute these other small-scale projects. Um, obviously, you've met, you've um, obviously gave us an overview of GenSource. What what's the main difference uh, between you and other potash companies, and especially obviously within within the Saskatchewan region? Yeah. So there there's uh, f fundamentally. Uh, uh, almost everything uh, is different. Um, the only thing that's similar is that we're producing the same product. We're producing uh, MOP, muriate of potash, uh, which is a KCL-based uh, potassium fertilizer. Uh, and we're mining the same ore, uh, which is the, um, the prairie vaporite formation in southern Saskatchewan. Uh, other than that, uh, it's, it's fairly uh, different on, on all fronts. Uh, as I mentioned, we we are coming in with a selective solution mining approach that has has a number of really significant benefits to it that strongly differentiate us from from the rest of the industry. Number one, those those methods allow us to scale this down to a rational size, i.e., a single module 
of 250,000 tons production uh, is a strong economic unit all by itself. We don't need scale uh, to to make our unit costs uh, attractive. Our unit costs start out attractive, and as we scale, they'll get they'll get even more attractive as we go. So it, it allows us to shrink this down to a manageable size. That manageable size, as I mentioned, makes it easier to finance, but it also uh, facilitates our idea of vertical integration, which is creating a direct connection between this operating facility in Saskatchewan and an identified, a very clearly identified market, so, such that all product uh, that or all capacity that is constructed is pre-sold. And that's what we've accomplished now with our partnership with Helm. Uh, they have uh, agreed to an offtake agreement uh, where they will purchase 100% of the production from Tagaski for an initial period of 10 years on a, on a take or pay basis. So the, the market risk, as you scale the size down away from many millions to just uh, a quarter of a million, uh, the market risk uh, almost disappears. We know where every single ton is going before that capacity to make that ton is even constructed. So it's, uh, it, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice de-risked uh, situation to, to be in. So that differentiates us uh, strongly from the existing uh, uh, industry. The other major factor is with our selective solution mining techniques, we create no salt tailings, and that means we have no brine ponds on surface. The ore zone uh, or the, the sylvanite ore that is uh, mined by most uh, potash producers around the world is called sylvanite. And it's essentially, it's two parts NaCl salt and one part uh, potash. So when you produce a ton of potash, you actually produce two tons of excess salt tailings. And those salt tailings end up on, on giant salt piles beside the mine. You, you can see them all over Google Earth. Wherever you see a potash mine, you'll see a giant salt, salt pile, some of them four square miles in size and surrounded by brine ponds and diking systems. So the, the salt tailings create a situation where uh, the mine is essentially not decommissionable in any rational sense. There's no place to put that salt other than to let it sit on care and maintenance while natural rainfall dissolves the salt over centuries. It's, uh, it's not a very palatable decommissioning plant. Uh, the surrounding brine ponds create the, the single biggest environmental impact of, of a potash mine because there's never been a diking system or pond that didn't leak. And in fact, uh, all the uh, brine ponds leak. Uh, they're all monitored on a continuous basis to, uh, to try and track the, uh, the uh, contamination of, of the, the soil and the, uh, the shallow water formations in the areas too. So we end up with Mostly because of those two factors, we end up with uh, an environmental profile that is head and shoulders above anything else in the industry. We simply have no waste. We have no tailings. And uh, that, that has been uh, proven by our, uh, uh, our licensing. We've received environmental approval from the uh, Saskatchewan Ministry of Environment without the need to create a full environmental impact assessment. We did most of that work anyways uh, to prove our, our point. But in the end, the regulators agreed with us that there was nothing about this project that triggered any of the issues that would require uh, a project to undergo a full EIA. So that's a first, first time ever for a potash operation that it's been uh, licensed in, the, in this way. The, the final item I'd like to highlight that, that differentiates us uh, pretty significantly is, is our 
in, in the process plant, we're using um, technology. It's, it's essentially a combined heat and power plant with some, uh, some uh, extras added on. So we self-generate all of our own power and heat. We currently, uh, or in, in the first instance, we'll do that with the burning of natural gas. But by having this uh, self-contained power and heat unit within our project, we first and foremost eliminate some 24,000 tons of CO2 emissions per year uh, compared to if we had drawn that same power from the Saskatchewan grid, because unfortunately the Saskatchewan grid is still in the range of 40% powered by coal. Uh, the second thing that that power system gives us is the rational ability in the future to become uh, uh, carbon free by using uh, renewables and even uh, green hydrogen, we can completely displace our use of natural gas in the future and become an island of self-generating heat and power that uh, is, uh, is, a, is a true net zero operation. So we're, we're not starting that way, but we're starting with some fundamental pieces in place that allow us to move in that direction. And we're, we're pretty excited about that. So th those are the main features that uh, make us different from the rest of the industry. Yeah, that which is quite a lot, quite a, obviously quite a, quite a few big main differences. So um, that certainly differentiate you from the from your competition. Certainly, um, could you talk to us a bit more about um, Gen Sources um, Tusker project um, and the sustainable production methods used? Sure. Yeah. So Tagaski is uh, is a project that will be co-owned by Gen Source and our partner Helm. Uh, Helm is not only the uh, off-taker for the project, but they have committed a $50 million check to be uh, part of the equity ownership of, of the project. So they will uh, they will be our partner in the project. Uh, Tagaski uh, will initially uh, consist of a, a single module of production, so 250,000. We think the, the, the rational number is, is more like around 270,000 of productive capacity, but its nameplate is 250,000 tons per year of final product. Uh, it uses selective solution mining uh, approaches. So we, uh, we access the ore zone, which is in our region is about 1500 meters below surface. We access that through um, uh, typical oil well drill rigs and uh, drilling down into the formation and circulating uh, a, br a brine dissolution liquid through, through the caverns that we create. We create long horizontal caverns through directional drilling techniques. Uh, and the, the process, as I mentioned, is selective uh, dissolution. And that simply means that it does not dissolve the NaCl that's down in the ore zone. It only or selectively dissolves the KCl potash and brings that up. Um, the, the processing methods are, again, very, very simple. The, uh, the brine is taken and simply cooled down. It's cooled down very efficiently through a, a multi-stage cooling crystallization process, which eventually results in a, a saturated uh, KCl solution that drops crystals out. Uh, and as those crystals form, uh, they are pure KCL crystals. They're collected uh, and dried and sized and, and stored. And, and that's the final product. The brine that's left from that processing uh, is simply reheated and sent back down into the solution mining caverns again. So it's a, it's a continuous cycle of picking up uh, KCL potash in the ore zone down below, bringing it to surface dropping the KCL out through cooling, reheating, and back down the uh, back down to the caverns again. 
by using this continuous cycle, uh, we are uh, able to use 75% less fresh water per ton of product than conventional solution mining. So that's, that's another piece of the, the efficiency uh, puzzle that uh, it's not just about the power or energy use, but uh, in Saskatchewan, fresh water is a, a valuable commodity. So it's a, it's a simple, it's a small, for a potash mine, it's a small scale and simple operation uh, using uh, existing proven uh, and, and really quite simple techniques. Um, GenSource has a vertical integrated model. Um, could you tell us and talk to us a little bit more about this and how it differentiates um, for the company? Yeah, if the, the, that vertical integration, as uh, I mentioned, is one of our business plan pillars. Uh, so it's a fundamental piece of, of why we're here. Um, and the way the way the, the potash industry works is it's uh, it's a very concentrated industry. The, uh, the top five producers in the world uh, account for 75, 80% of, of the market. Um, and it's, it's that, that concentration extends to the supply chain. So the, the supply chain to the ultimate end user, which is the farmer, the grower, is the end user of this product. The supply chain down to that level is largely owned and controlled by the potash producers. Uh, and that was one of the key pieces that we were out to start to change. Uh, because at the end of the day, it leaves the producer, the uh, the uh, the grower, with very little choice on where they get their potash from, uh, uh, whether they get it or not. Sometimes, and certainly no choice at all on on price or no no com- competition on price. So this vertical integration idea came as as a way to uh, create our own supply chain to step outside of the existing supply chain. And and just leave it leave it to work how it works now, uh, but to start to provide an alternative. And uh, through it, it probably took us uh, a couple of years to find the right partner. But we did find the right partner in Helm and Helm Fertilizers in the U.S. Uh, that was interested in this model. They were interested in securing their own supply of potash for their own customer base. They have an existing customer base uh, uh, that demands potash. And uh, this is, uh, is, is Helm's way to guarantee their supply. So now with their ownership in Tagaski and with the uh, offtake agreement, they have uh, guaranteed access to whatever it produces, 270,000 tons a year. Um, as that grows, it's easy to add another module or two and, and make it 500 or 750,000 tons per year. Whatever the market demands, it can be added uh, quickly and efficiently and in small incremental pieces. And that allows Helm to, to grow their business because they, can, uh, they don't have to rely on third parties in that supply chain who may not want to supply them at the, in any given year. So that, that's the idea uh, is to create that new supply chain. And with the supply chain we have now, uh, Helm will purchase the product uh, in the rail car supplied by Helm right at the Tagaski project site. And they will deliver that rail car directly to their customer. Whether that customer is a retailer or a large farmer, uh, it's a, a direct shot from the producing facility in Saskatchewan to that market customer at the end of the day. So the supply chain is exceedingly simple, straightforward. Uh, I, I'll have to say, because it's the it's the topic of the day, it's uh, 
a, a very low carbon footprint because it gets to in the rail car once and it's taken to its destination and it's unloaded and that's it. There's no offloading, storage, rehandling, moving it around back and forth. So it's a, it's a very efficient supply chain uh, that, uh, that allows Helm to grow its market share. And that's, so that's our version of, of vertical integration. Um, and, uh, and we think this also, uh, once other uh, uh, companies or uh, even, even a, a, a large farmer buying group or uh, a co-op uh, would consume this much potash fertilizer in, in a year, they can start to see that there are alternatives. They, they can sign on to a model like this and be guaranteed their tonnage every year, like, like clockwork. And that, so that's our idea. And uh, the first implementation is through the Helm uh, equity partnership and offtake agreement for the Tagaski project. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like an ideal marriage, um, obviously, how, it, how it's all been set up. It, it is. It's, uh, it's, it's synergistic, certainly for GenSource uh, and for Helm. And, and we think for the end user, the, the grower, the agricultural uh, uh, grower is, uh, is going to benefit from this model also. Um, it's forecasted that the overall potash market is expected to grow over the next few years. Um, how does uh, GenSource uh, plan to tap into the growth? And talk, and I wonder if you can talk to us about how GenSource can support the need uh, for a growing global population to be fed. Yeah. Yeah, the you know if you look back even sort of into 1960, uh, the potash uh, market has grown at around two percent per year, pretty steadily over over time, uh, and that's expected to continue. The, the, when you look into the future, uh, everybody's crystal ball is a little bit different. So depending on who you believe, it'll continue to grow at one and a half to two to two and a half percent going forward, um, and that's driven by. Uh, kind of the, the fundamentals that I, I think everybody uh, talks about, which is a growing global population. Uh, by the middle of the century, we're going to be at uh, you know eight or nine. Some projections are even at 10 billion people uh, on, on the planet. Our arable land is disappearing through urbanization and climate change issues. Uh, so the, the uh, arable land per person is dropping. Uh, and that means agricultural productivity has to increase to produce the, the amount of food that we need to feed everybody in the world. Uh, so th those are the overall drivers. And, and I think anybody who looks at the market is, is in pretty close agreement that it will continue to grow. Uh, the potash market currently stands at around 70 million tons per year globally of all forms of potassium fertilizer. Uh, and that's, that will continue to grow incrementally uh, year on year. We fit into that uh, very easily with, with our small incremental production additions. We don't really create shocks into the system. In, in the old model, when you started up a new, a new mine um, that, uh, that took you 10 years to, to build, uh, and all of a sudden now you're ramping up to something two, three, four million tons of production per year, um, you, you create a situation where the, the market can't accept all of that tonnage. So it, it stretches out your ramp up time. And, and we've seen that almost everywhere. The, the ramp up time is extended, not for technical reasons, but for market reasons that the, the market doesn't accept that large new tonnage uh, just yet. So it has to be fed in slowly over time. Uh, the result of that is capital inefficiency on the construction and operations of these things because you, uh, you've constructed 
100% of your plant capacity, but you can only use 70 or 80% of that for, for many years until you ramp up into full production where the market will accept it. So by coming in with a small scale modular approach and the vertical integration uh, ideas always uh, kept front and center that we will always build uh, a module that will run at 100% from, from day one. So the capital efficiencies approved. And because the tonnage we add to the market is, is relatively small at just a quarter million tons uh, on, on an annual basis, uh, the, the market, the way we're seeing it, the market will have no problem at all in accepting that new tonnage. And, and as is it's the case with Sagaski, that tonnage is always going to be pre-sold. Before we construct a module, we will have an off-taker who has committed to purchasing 100% of that, that production. Yeah. So we, we think we fit into the growing market very easily. Uh, and and, and so we, we start to, to turn the industry into more of a manufacturing kind of a model uh, rather than a bulk mining uh, kind of model. That this, this doesn't, potash we don't think should uh, behave like iron ore or coal or, you know, other large bulk tonnage commodities. Um, so as a conclusion, um, just wonder what the outlook is for the next 12 to, to 18 months. Yeah, so now that we've um, completed our, our AIM listing uh, and we have uh, just in, in the last uh, month or six weeks, we've announced uh, the commitment from our senior lenders. So we have uh, commitment letters now from KFW and uh, SockGen uh, for a $280 million Canadian debt facility. We have a commitment from Helm, as I mentioned, for a $50 million equity check in, into the project. So over the next uh, 12 months, the, the remaining uh, items to complete are, first and foremost, to complete the equity financing. So that's GenSource's job to complete the remaining equity uh, uh, gap to, to put the entire project into full uh, implementation mode. Uh, at the same time, we're actually starting already to ramp up the, the engineering team to get some, uh, some trade-off studies completed and start to move into detailed procurement and, and engineering. Um, so we're, we're hoping to uh, complete the financing uh, over the next several months, which will allow us to start our construction next summer. So that, that's hopefully what you'll see coming along is, uh, is news around um, the financing completion, uh, project ramp up and uh, initial construction activities uh, next spring and summer. From there, it's a little less than two years uh, construction time. So we're, we're looking for first product uh, probably uh, early in 2024. Hopefully we'll be producing product for Helm to sell into the 2024 growing season. Yeah. Mike, really appreciate your time and uh, really good good luck in uh, in this project. And like I like to explain, it's a new model um, and we obviously wish you all the well and success uh, with that. If our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, um, how can they go about doing that? Are you across any social media platforms at all? Absolutely. We, uh, we exist on, on Twitter. Uh, we have a contact us form on our website, gensourcepotash.ca. Uh, you can request to be on our mailing list and we'll keep you in, uh, informed by email as, uh, as news comes out. Um, and you can contact the office directly. Uh, visit our website. And uh, there's contact information directly there. We're a pretty small group, 
we uh, we get back to interested shareholders uh, personally. That's uh, that's how we roll. Yeah, that's good to hear, Mike. Thanks a lot again. Um, appreciate you sharing your your story. Um, and wish you, like I said, wish you well um, in the future with this. Um, and to our audience, um, hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, and obviously, want to watch as well. Um, obviously, um, Poshash is a, a essential um, commodity, if you call it, um, for obviously growing growing the food. So uh, appreciate if you can share and like this episode amongst friends, family, and obviously other people in the industry. And uh, appreciate you to continue support. So until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.